we we were hitting uh we were hitting at one point we were hitting one out of ten on six. That's we went on a streak for probably like three or four weeks where we were hitting one out of ten, which was just like. Hey everybody, this is episode number one, take number two with Pick'em Expert. He's kindly agreed to uh, to join us after I had a couple uh, audio issues, but we are we literally did a full dress rehearsal for this episode, so excited to to get out the final product, which will undoubtedly be the best episode ever since it's been rehearsed uh pick them expert welcome back man or welcome to the show i guess yeah thank you we're, we're definitely gonna run it back better this time for sure yeah yeah so well i mean you know we we have a lot of topics we have the topics that were given on twitter i put out this is the first time i put out a thread for a guest uh coming on the show but you know before we get to some of the questions why don't you just give us a rundown of, you know, a how you got into betting and b your, uh, you know, your software development and the Pick'em Expert product? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess kind of the history of my betting started this year. Uh, didn't start until earlier this year. I, I live in California, and so sports betting online is not legal here. And uh, when Prize Picks and these daily fantasy sports books came out. I started to get into it a little bit. You know, I thought it was fun to just place a little bit of money on uh, some of the games that I was watching, add a little sweat to these games. And um, kind of my background, I'm actually a software engineer, um, uh, specifically a software engineer within the machine learning sector. Uh, and actually, when I started playing around with prize picks, originally, uh, I started coming up with some different lineups and I found it really interesting when I tried to place a bet where they wouldn't let me place all players on the same team. Uh, I would get this like little banner and it said, you know, you're not allowed to place players on the same team. And thinking to myself, you know, the obvious answer is, okay, if you place everyone from the same team, there's probably some like interdependencies between these players. Uh, and that kind of got the the wheels turning in my head a little bit of like, Hey, you know, if there's some correlation that they're blocking between players on the same team, like that's a pretty rudimentary block of correlation. Like there's definitely more opportunity here uh, in, you know, finding how these players interact with one another within the same game. You know, you could still have both teams, uh, are on yeah on both teams within the same game that still interact with one another. You know, there's like so many different uh, opportunities there. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, I think there's probably a way I can apply some of my machine learning background um, and modeling into this world. So you know, we started getting the data sources of of um, sportsbooks lines and started to do some analysis. And um, you know, we can kind of get into the whole like in depth of, of how that works. But ultimately, you know, we started in hockey. Um, yeah. We found there was, 
you know, the opposing goalie on hockey versus shots on goal. Um, and even just doing some research online of like, what are the most correlated sports people mm. talking about, uh, hockey a lot. And so Interesting. You know, started to get into a little bit more of the hockey correlation of just simple shots on goal versus goalie saves. Uh, and I think I remember hitting my first six pick ever was a correlation pick and I hadn't done any. Who was the goalie? I don't even, Who, you know, I need, yeah. to pull, I need to pull up that slip. I need to like yeah. go back and I'm sure I screenshotted it. Um, but at that point I was like, okay, I definitely need more data. And yeah. I also don't want to like bet this a thousand times. So, um, you know, I, I want to be able to do some data engineering and do some data analysis and see if there's something here. And lo and behold, we we're able to get like a basic model working last NHL season. Uh, and we started doing really well to the point where we were limited. Uh, we got limited on hockey and I had, I had crazy. no concept of lim- limiting. Like I was like, what is this whole deal? What did you think? You're like, what the hell is going on? And the first thing I was, I was so upset. I was so yeah. upset that it, it just felt unfair. Um, yep. you know, it felt unfair that just because I was winning meant that, you know, I couldn't win more because you get, you see this upside of like, okay, you have sure. G that's going to work. Like you could just increase your unit sizes yeah. and you can make infinite money. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when I started doing this, I was like, oh my gosh, I could make infinite money. This is insane. <laughs> um, and you know, of course that, that comes to a halt, but. That's where we kind of got the wheels turning a little bit, started to research some more sports, uh, started to do some additional modeling on top of that. I had a partner who I worked with as well uh, on this, uh, who's also a machine learning engineer. And uh, and yeah, that's kind of where we had this basic product that would just send us uh, the best picks that it would find that were most correlated. We would start placing them and and then we brought like a couple buddies onto it and and started sending them the same text messages. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, we're like, we could turn this into a product. Um, yeah. We're, people are getting limited. You know, we're, we don't have that infinite upside when it comes to right. making our own picks. But, hey, let's see if we can build a product that others can use to take advantage of that upside. And then we, you know, take some of the profit there. Um, so that's that was kind of the origin story of of the pick em expert website dude i love it so first question you said that you bet the hockey correlations before you had actually modeled out the correlations. so you were like i think this is good let me bet it and see yeah um i think like just intuitively i was like you know i'm gonna put put some of these bets together and see if i can hit any um, and just like see what they look like. And I started to see, yeah. you know, more, more of them were going over together. Some of them were going under together. Uh, and you could start to see there was some correlation, but um, yeah, it was, it was very like uh, a case study. Like it, it didn't, it couldn't really like apply because I, I didn't have that much data yet. So I was very skeptical at the time, but you know, I thought might as well. Um, dig into this a little bit more and see if there's something else we could uncover. Um, and so that's kind of where, you know, we got a little bit more into the weeds of modeling. I think it's interesting because at like, at that same time, me and my partner were doing power play line shots on goal plus 
goalie saves, basically, like as much as we could, you know, if they're line mates, if they're on the power play line, but we didn't have the, we didn't have the same skills that you had. So we were like, I think this is good. I don't know how good it is. And then eventually we were just like, well, I don't know. We're going to stick with what we're good at, which is, you know, golf and some of the core, you know, correlated stuff there, or just the straight stuff there. And we kind of left it alone. So I think that it goes to show that modeling helps you. And, you know, you, you definitely know more about this than me, but it helps you build confidence in your ideas. Like you can have a good idea that can be expressed in a model, but until you start seeing some kind of objective ish analysis of that idea, it's very hard to like put the pedal to the metal. And that happened to us with the same thing. And we didn't have the model. So we didn't, you know, go as hard on hockey as you did. And we didn't, you know, make as much money. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that it plagues the sports betting industry too. just like this confirmation bias of like you hit a bet one time and like all of a sudden that's like a really good bet. Um, But it's getting yourself to actually like what is going to give you the confidence to start placing much larger sums of money on that? Like, did you just get lucky on that stretch? And like, maybe you hit two, six picks, like within a week of one another, um, or is that a really good strategy? It's so hard to say uh, when you don't have the data to support it. Um, so that's yeah. why I always give hats off to to you know a lot of these guys in kind of the, the EV world that are able to you know build up the confidence to start putting down um, you know higher unit sizes. It helps when you've built up a bankroll. But um, sure. yeah, I mean, I think it's you know these these books are always changing, and and you never know kind of what could be around the corner. And so that's where modeling can kind of give you a little bit more confidence um, and just, you know, truly trusting, truly trusting the data behind it and truly trust, trusting that your models are performing. I, I'll give you like an example of kind of how modeling yeah. works for people that don't understand or like have yeah. modeling. Please. You, so what we'll do is we'll hold out what we call a training set, which is like, you know, we might take data from like, I don't know, January to May or January to March. Um, and we're going to like run our models to train or we're going to run our yeah training on those, that specific data to see if we can find any good correlated bets. Uh, and then what we'll do is for, you know, March to May, we can test those models on data that we pretended like we didn't see. So even though we have the data for it, we pretend that we've never seen that data before. And then we can see how well our models perform against that, uh, you know, perform against that future data. And so uh, that's what, and and there's like some different ways to measure confidence. Like how confident are we that this actually applies to this future data? Um, And it just like makes sports betting for me, like a little, a little less stressful. It definitely is stressful, but, um, you know, it can, it, it definitely gives me a little, a little more confidence because I know nothing about hockey. Like never, never yeah. in my life had I, I've never been to a hockey game. I've, <laughs> I've never, it. you know, I was never betting on it before. Uh, I don't watch it on TV. So, um, for me, like I had to have some sort of like mathematical backing behind it in order to start really putting money on it. I love that though, because it's so funny. Someone I knew in poker who was really sharp, a uh, poker player who got into sports betting, 
he, I knew that, he, you know, he went to college to, he, he was a music major in college, literally hasn't watched a sporting event in his whole life. And he's like, I'm winning money at sports betting. I'm like, there is no way. There's no way. And I was like, can you name me like three NFL players? And he was like, uh, Tom Brady. And then that was it. But, and, but he was because he was act- at the time he was, you know, steam chasing, uh, just looking at numbers and seeing when they move. But, you know, I, I do think that it's good to get some examples of people who aren't like diehard sports fans who still do really well in this because I don't think uh, it's a necessity at all. I mean, I'm sure you've learned a lot about sports. Like you might know more about hockey correlation than some hockey coaches and NHL players. <laughs> I, know, I definitely know more hockey players in general. It's funny. Like you start making all these picks, like you start like recognizing names over and over again. You see them kind of like on social media feeds or news feeds and like, like, hey, I actually know that person. I don't, I don't yeah. really know much about them besides what we bet on them in the past. But yeah. you kind of like pick up some more sports facts through osmosis. And I've definitely watched my fair share of hockey games in the last. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, Honestly, <laughs> hockey is pretty fun to watch. I find like I, I think it's one of the better sports to watch. Yeah, it depends how you're betting on it. I think true. When, you know, like a betting in all unders correlation slip is like it's a tough it's a tough thing to watch because you're just hoping that nothing happens and so it's like a very stressful way to, to watch a game no that's in i so i mean i'm i'm like the biggest unders like stan in the whole the whole world like all i talk about is is unders um and i need you to back me up on on betting unders and is there have you have you seen data on uh, maybe the slight edge to an under and over overall. Have you seen that data or is it more correlation that you're looking at? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We, we look at that. I, I've actually put some TikTok videos about unders and why betting unders is, I think, much better. Um, in your traditional retail better, they want to root. They want to cheer for something to happen. They want to cheer for their players to do well. And so I think these books probably just juice the overs a little more heavily than the unders because they need to, you know, protect themselves, um, yeah. especially when a lot of the money is going to the overs. Uh, I would say, kind of on a baseline, at least in the DFS books, it's about fifty-one percent under to forty-nine percent over. So. Mm-hmm there's like a 1% edge. It's like just taking unders is not going to give you enough edge right. to beat the right. books. Um, but it also depends on specific markets. And it also depends on whether that market has a high push likelihood. Um, Interesting. What I mean Why by is that, that okay. so like, let's say that you're betting um, hockey shots on goal. Okay. What we were just talking about. If the line is set at 2.0, which a lot of books have them set at, the likelihood to push is still, you know, it could be like 10 to 15%. Right. Usually the unders, they're going to try to keep closer to 50%. So you mm-hmm. could have like, you know, st- you could still have like a 47% chance to hit the under but there's like a 15% push. So that's your insurance. Oh, wow. And the over is going to be like, you know, 
I don't even know, 37. I, I didn't do the math. Yeah, yeah. You can imagine that the overs right. are much less likelihood of, of bet to hit. Um, and then it also depends on like how large that market is. Like if you're betting NBA points, rebounds, and assists, you have you know really high line values. So they're not low like hockey shots on goal. Yeah. They can usually be pretty efficient. You're going to get yep. like 50, you know, uh, 50.1 on the unders uh, versus okay. 49.9 on the overs. So okay. I, I think those will probably la- uh, matter less. Um, but I mean, from what I've seen, if you can get into some of these niche markets, if you can get to markets that have like higher push likelihoods, then, you know, and, and this is just kind of the data analysis I've done. I, I yeah. typically err on the side of taking the unders. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And I come at it from a, a different angle of like talk, talking to people who work the other side of the counter and say that, you know, basically the overs have a little extra juice on them because of the action that the book takes on overs. Uh, so certainly like now seeing that the, the data show that, and we're hearing that from people who actually work at sports books, everybody listening and watching bet more unders, bet more unders, please, please do it. Um, the push thing is interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. So it's essentially like, you're looking for markets that you're looking for markets that have a point zero with low numbers, which means high push likelihood. So if it's like, you know, I, I have no, I'm trying to think of another. What's another one like a like a kind of bad pitcher strikeout, yeah, like, like a soccer goalie save or something. Soccer goalie save. Okay, interesting. Yeah, or which it, has correlation for sure with shots. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's just okay. another way to add some insurance to get that variance low. But when you think about these books, like, and from like a odds perspective and how they have to price them, uh, especially with prize picks and having fixed payouts, uh, where they have to give like an equal 50 50 over and under, uh, you know, if the under is set at like minus 175 and the line is 3.5, then on prize picks, they'll probably bump that to a three, right? Because they, right. They, you know, they got to, they got to account for that um, half line push, but like that is a pretty huge uh, discrepancy, like jumping from a 3.5 to a three. And so they're kind of forced into these situations where, you know, they have to give a little bit more likelihood to, or they have to have these like pretty high push likelihoods Um and they usually, usually favor the unders more. Um, so okay, interesting. And have some like, you know, barrier for the push. That's just what I've seen. But I could yeah, be- no, that, that is, I've always wondered about like how you read a situation where a sportsbook line is like, let's just say like plus 120 minus 160 at three and a half. You have prize picks at three. Um you know, are you reading that as an over as opposed to like a two and a half favored where you go under, or is it like, is that red? Yeah. What What's your read on those situations? Yeah. I'm probably not the best person when it comes to like individual line assessments. Um, Fair enough. I, I, I never really take my picks 
uh, you know, based on individual lines. Like they're always, I, I only take correlated slips. I never do individual line slips. Um, but I think that's a really tough problem to solve. I mean, when they want to keep really high line availability, they want to cover a lot of markets, you know, they have to shift some of these, you know, when, when market lines are set at, you know, 3.5, they have to kind of make a decision on whether they're going to keep it at that line or they're going to bump it down or they're going to remove it. And I think depending on the book, like prize picks wants to keep as many lines available as possible. They want to give you as many opportunities to bet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say, like, I think our models can factor that in slightly. Like we'll kind of consider the odds, see if they made that bump or not. And we'll maybe favor that a little bit more. Uh, but I think on like an, in when, when we're talking about like six leg picks that are correlated, that yeah. individual edge, like you're, you could get like an extra one to 2% on that individual line. Um, it's really not going to impact the entire edge of the bet of the whole six pick as much as you would think. So like the individual line values and the individual odd values have much lower impact when you're betting correlation, at least um, is kind of how I've seen it. Spot on. I mean, yeah, I had someone uh, ask me about that because, you know, I, for a while I was firing in like 300 better slips a week or like a Sunday and someone was like, Oh, do you, you know, is that the, you know, is that under favored instead of that over? But I was like, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) It's like super correlated and it's good. You know, like it's more about an hourly, Um, but it's not like, I don't have the, I don't have the actual data to express how different it is, but it does. Um, because it's like, it's exponential, right? When you correlate like that 1% edge on a slip that is, is correlated across six legs, that could be like a 70% edge slip, right? So if you're fighting for that extra one or 2% on an individual prop, you're not really, in terms of your overall edge, you're saying like, that's, you know, not always going to matter too much. Yeah. So let me give you an example. Like, okay. Um, I'll use kind of the technical term of like independent and dependent events. So like when you're doing like, when you're looking for an EV edge, you might look for two picks that are both 52%, right. Um, mm. That both have like an individual or 54% or whatever you're, whatever you're looking yeah. at. Um, you just care about those, those lines individually. Now, when you have a correlated slip, the first event to happen. So like, let's take Patrick Mahomes. Let's say Patrick Mahomes going over and under in his passing yards is 50, 50. Okay. When Patrick Mahomes goes over his passing yards, Travis Kelsey going over in his receiving yards is what we call a dependent event. You're already assuming that Patrick Mahomes has gone over. So now what is the likelihood given that Patrick Mahomes has gone over? What is the likelihood that Travis Kelsey also goes over? And if you look at all the games that Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have ever played together, and you see that every time he goes over in his line, that there's a 70% chance that Travis Kelsey also goes over in his line. Right. Then what you can do is you have a 50% chance with Patrick Mahomes, but now you have a 70% chance with Travis Kelsey and you just take the average. So now you have 60% is kind of your like, um, 
your like average. Uh, I see what you're saying. So it's like, instead of yeah, 54, you've gone up to, you've gone up to 60. And so, and that, yeah. that kind of increases as you add more legs to it. Um, so it, like if you had like a 52% line and a 70%, like sure, maybe it goes from a 60 to 61%, but that's not where you're getting most of the meat. You're getting most of the meat from the fact that Travis Kelsey went over 70% of the time when Patrick Mahomes went over. So that's where most of the edge is coming from. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're saying is like, it it transforms the Travis Kelsey bet into like uh, minus, you know, 300 bet uh, when it, when Mahomes hits. So you're looking at, and you're looking at the probability of you hitting the actual full slip, right? You don't really care the probability of going one for two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Or zero for two. So you're like, okay, like the slip hitting two for two happens X percent. And then the payout's Y. And then your ROI is because that that's the that's I always say, like, I don't know if this is even if this is you would agree with this, but I always say going O for six, or like oh let's say it's an underdog power, right? O for five, second best result after going five for five, because it's just extreme correlation one way or another. Absolutely. Yeah. And people ask me that like, Hey, can we take all of your slips reversed? Um, because of the correlations there, like either Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are going to go over together or they're going to go under together. And probably the same kind of interdependencies that those two lines have on one another, whether you take it over or whether you take it under, sometimes there's slight differences, but usually usually you can take the reverse. Um, so I, I do like seeing like 0 for 5 um, yep. or 0 for 6 because it just means that the correlation is there. It means that our models are are doing the right thing. Yeah, I, it's, I bet it's sometimes difficult. Like if someone signs on and you go get a couple 0 for 6 and they're like, oh my God, this guy can't, can't pick a game, right? He can't pick a prop right to save his life. Yeah, and you're like, no, that's good. It's good that we lost every single play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think just being in this industry, like you got to know how to like take the heat from people that lose. Um, you know, yeah. it's part of the in, part of the it's part of the industry. Like you're going to lose. You're going to take a lot of losses, and especially when you're when you're betting uh, for six leg picks, five leg picks, like. People don't realize that that only hits one out of 64 times. Like if you were taking that randomly, uh, like random six like picks, you're going to hit that one out of 64 times and people want to hit that like every other pick. It's like, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. So there's just like kind of this disconnect and like needing to like help educate people like, Hey, like this is actually a good thing that we went over five. Like we're turning a 25 X payout into a coin flip essentially. Like, Right. You flip a coin and every time it lands tails, you get paid 25x. And every time it lands heads, you lose one unit, then you're gonna take that, you're gonna do that infinite number of times for the rest of your life. Not good, but that's the that's like the concept we're going for. Sure. No, that yeah, I mean it's I I think I, I told this this story once, but it was uh we were giving we were giving some bets to uh, one of our betting partners, movers, whatever, and their parlays, their five leg parlays. And this guy's like absolute like heater, just through the roof. Like he's probably hit like I don't know. Uh, it was like a windy day in golf, so he probably hit like 
four out of five and then like another day probably hit like you know three out of six then we one day he just like doesn't win he goes like oh for four oh for five and he's like damn you know what do you guys think and i was like i don't know i don't i'm not really thinking about it he's like strategy is still good i'm like yep strategy is still good he goes yeah it makes sense you probably this is a five leg parlay uninsured you probably only have to win mm, one out of every three times, right? No, <laughs> no, that's your expectation. No, I would, I would, I think I was like, I would own a soccer team if that, if we were hitting at that rate. <laughs> we we were hitting, uh, we were hitting at one point. We were hitting one out of ten on six. That's insane. we went on a streak for probably like. All right, here we have technical difficulty numero uno where my camera overheats. A uh, little break then to say please subscribe on YouTube. New YouTube channel, you can watch this on YouTube uh, right when the podcast is released. Risk, Risk Takers Podcast on YouTube. Okay, back to it. So you're going, so you're, you're, you're hitting one out of every 10 six picks. Yeah, we're hitting one out of every 10. Uh, I mean, we, we went on a streak for probably like a month or so where we were just like cranking out these 25 X's and uh, people started to get so used to it that anytime we would miss 15 in a row, it was like the sky was falling and it was all over and you know, never be able to win a bet again and like the model broke or like it, it's it's crazy like once people kind of start getting a taste of like a winning performance there's kind of this like recency bias that they like to apply yes. so like anytime you hit like these downward swings it's like you know it's it's like the world's ending and that's tough to deal with i'm sure like at your end because you're like you don't want to brush people off because they've lost money, but you also want to be like, listen, it's 15, right? The, the sample size that you need to be worried about is like hundreds, if not thousands, but like, it's hard to tell somebody that when they've also lost their money and might not understand the math like you. And here we have technical difficulty number two, where my camera overheats. I believe this is when, I open all the windows in the room and put a can of cranberry juice on top of the camera that's really cold. So back to it. Sorry, a couple of technical difficulties, of course, on my end, as as what's been plaguing me and pick'em expert. <laughs> uh back to the conversation about, you know, users' expectations who might not uh, be fully aware of what you're aware of with the math and the yeah. big sample sizes. Yeah. I mean, I think one, one big thing that we try to do, and I think the nice part about having like a discord in the community is like helping educate people and like helping them understand that specifically within DFS correlated betting, or even just DFS betting in general, like you have to take five and six leg picks to find any path to profitability over the long run. I mean, in most, I think in most situations, just yeah. because that's where you can get, you know, the most edge. Um, people don't realize that for every $10 you put in, 
you get $7.50 back for, and that's the best payout that you're going to get yep. if you're taking random bets uh, on any of these platforms. And so it's really, that, that's like a 25% minus 25% ROI that you have to beat out. Uh, and I think it's really important for people to understand that you're up, you're up against, you know, pretty big, you know, ROI that you have to beat out in order to be profitable. You know, I don't know what the percentages are blackjack, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot, it's a lot higher ROI than, than, than what a uh, DFS betting is. Um, so a vacuum with no edge. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Blackjack's not bad. It's, you know, you're losing half a percent on basic strategy per yeah. hand. And I think people kind of like assume that with DFS, but in reality, it's like much different. Like there's a, there's a much larger edge you have to get over if you're just betting purely randomly um, or you're betting on your gut and, or you really don't have like a solid strategy. Like you're going to lose 25% of your money on every bet. And so that's super important for people to understand. And it's really important to kind of educate people um, on why we have to take five and six like picks. And then kind of beyond that, understanding variance, like how variance works, like how many losses you actually have to, how many losses you'll go through before you get a win and how profitable you can be, even if you still hit one out of 25, six like picks, like that is a huge hit rate. Um, And some people will see like our win loss record and yeah, yeah. how are you, how are you winning? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Your win, your, your win record is so much lower than your loss <laughs> record. Um, and then you kind of have to explain, Hey, these actually pay out 25 X. And um, you know, there's kind of this like math that we're working at. So before anyone comes onto our platform, like I usually try to make sure that there's some level of education. They understand mm-hmm. what they're getting into uh, and they have like a very specific bankroll management. Like I always tell yeah. people in my server, at least, um, I know a lot of people do the 1% method for six leg picks. We do 2%. I think we probably just have like a pretty decent hit rate so we can, we can afford that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, 2% it's, you know, one out of 50 is kind of what we're, it's like the lower bound that we're expecting to, sure. uh, to hit. So, um, yeah, just making sure people are aware. But I still, you know, I'll still get hate messages or emails of people that signed up yesterday and took 30 picks and, and you know, lost half their money. Uh, they're upset. You know, they maybe I didn't properly educate them ahead of time. Maybe they didn't kind of know what the strategies were going into it. Or maybe they just got overly excited and threw too much money down that, or started surge betting or whatever. Um I think it's just, it kind of comes with the territory. You can't, can't make everyone perfect. Definitely. It's so tricky. Like you can only do so much, I think. And that's something I struggled with too, is like, you know, have people come to me in my DMs or whatever who, and I don't, you know, I don't really give out a ton of picks and it's not, it's, it's not exactly, you know, what I do, but I'll still have people come and ask me, and I know like they're, I want to shake them and be like, just, it's, you know, just think of it like this, but it almost feels like, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to, hard to get through and hard to get people to also do what's best for them in gambling. Because I think it, it really messes with people's minds. And I think that's why 
casinos are so successful, but it's a tough, it's tough to, to think straight, um, within this industry, especially when you're playing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think if it was obvious and it was easy to do, these books would be out of business. So you kind of have to know what you're up against. Um, and yeah, understand that it's going to be difficult. And, you know, there, there's people that are going to be frustrated that they're playing a rigged game that they didn't even know was rigged. Right. I think a lot of people don't understand that these games are kind of just have to, in a sense, take it as an opportunity to educate these people on the fact that, you know, if they don't take this seriously or if they don't do things the right way, they're going to lose money. Um, and that's how these books are profitable and that's how these books are in business. So you kind of always have to be careful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough taking, it's tough taking heat. It's tough going on a losing streak. Like, you know, it's, it's hard to, to take that on. Definitely. And I think what I will say for you to, t- to, to talk more about your, your product is as far as I know, it's, the only, you know, money back guarantee for the money for the product, you know, if you go lose, you know, all your bets, that's, you know, pick an expert's not dipping into his pocket to pay you for your losing bets, but for the monthly fee, right. For pick expert, if you know, you don't win, it's a money back guarantee or something along those lines. Yeah. Basically like over the course of your subscription, like if our, if our AI is not positive over that time mm-hmm. frame, then you're entitled to a full refund. And the reason for that is we, we built this product uh, actually kind of going back to the origin. Like we were like, Oh, yeah. what if we just like give this product to our friends and then they bet a lot. And then we just like ask them for a cut of the profit um, since we're doing all the work for them. Um, you know, it's not really like a GP from the future again. I was wrong. This is when I take the can of ice cold cranberry juice because it was the coldest thing in the fridge and put it on top of my camera with the windows open and the fan going and it actually worked and we recorded the rest of the episode. All right, another one, but we're back. Refund, refund policy. Uh, Going back to, you know, when you were first setting up Pick'em Expert, the ideology behind, you know, what you were going to do with it. Uh, how did that turn into the refund policy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, our our goal with this product was never to kind of just make money to make money. I, I think we knew we had a winning product. We knew we had a solution that could actually make money from the books. And uh, we wanted a cut of that profit, basically. Uh, right. And so originally we we're like, okay, we'll just give this to certain people we know, and then we'll take a percentage of their winnings. And that's how we'll kind of turn it into a business, kind of be like our own like sports betting hedge fund. Um, we're going to give all these people their picks and we just kind of, um, you know, trust that they'll pay us a percentage. But at that point it was like, you know, a little tough to manage. Um, and we wanted to be able to scale that a little bit more. And so instead we decided to, you know, launch this to everybody. Um, and, you know, our subscription fee is basically like expecting we're taking a cut of, of the profit that, that, that you make. And so that's why we have kind of this guaranteed win rate. If you're, if our AI is not positive over the course of your subscription, then, then we 
uh, then you're eligible for a full refund. Because if you're not winning and, you know, our, our product has not returned positively for you, then, you know, we don't want to take that money from you. Luckily, we've never had to give out a refund uh, because we've yeah. been positive over the course of a month. Um, but we just have that in place to, you know, help people feel more comfortable. And, and we will honor that if we run into situations like that ever. Definitely. And I, I think going back to that decision that you had beside between essentially doing what we do, which is like uh betting syndicate, uh, sell information privately, privately to people, take a cut of people's winnings, do a little more handholding um, and whatnot. And how you've monetized is really interesting. And I think both work in one thing that I like to tell people is like, as a sharp better, think about your product as information and like, what's the best way for you to sell that? That, you know, for you, you can scale really well because you have a data science, you have a, you know, programming background, machine learning background. Uh, Whereas, you know, I can't scale uh, like you can, but part of, you know, my strengths is being able to show people, you know, how to find a, find an edge and, you know, keep, keep looking for the little mistakes the book makes plus our, our golf modeling. And it just made more sense to go the other route. But I think that it's people sometimes keep their focus too narrow on, Oh, I'm a better, you know, I, I, you know, what I do is I win bets. It's like kind of true, but you have a lot of good winning information. It's like, how do you best monetize that? Do you scale through betting partners? Do you scale through a product? You know, it's all, it's all on the table and it's, it's really just what fits you in your lifestyle best. Yeah. And it's also hard kind of going out into the world and like getting strangers to pay for your bets um, yeah. or information because unfortunately in this industry, there's a lot of scammers and there's a lot of people oh, yeah. that are not authentic and spend, you know, more money on their promotional videos than they do on, you know, resources to actually help them find good picks. And it, it kind of, you know, it gives the industry a bad name and it, it makes it hard for, you know, the, the layman to decipher whether a person actually is giving you good information or not. Um, or whether they're just trying to monetize off you. So um, it, I, I totally understand kind of the, the betting syndicate avenue, going with people you trust, like knowing you have a good uh, system in place because then you don't have to deal with one people asking <laughs> you for losing, you can go on a losing streak or, you know, trying to convince people that are, you know, uh, don't want to believe you because they don't really have a reason to, um, you know, it's, it's tough. Totally. And I'll, this will be my, my one, I don't give a ton of syndicate tips out, but the best way to scale a syndicate is through referrals be, for two reasons. One, you have someone that's worked for you and they've won, right? On your bets. Now, when you go and they tell their friend, it's not you telling them, it's someone else saying, I did this, they win over the long term. And then you can get connected to somebody that you might not know face to face, but there's, you know, social pressure on them not to steal from you because you have that mutual friend who's connected you. So um, if the Pick'em Expert ever goes private and, and uh, goes behind the scenes, you know, uh, that's, that's how I've found it to work the best with that, overcoming that problem of like, 
there's so many scammers in this industry. How do I know this person's legit as opposed to all those other people? I have people in my DMs just asking me if I think people are legit or not all the time because they're like, I don't know. Like what I, they don't know what to think. They're new to the industry. And like, I've kind of, I'm not really selling anything, uh, you know? So like, they just ask me, they're like, is this person legit? I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know. It is a big problem, you know, Vegas, Dave and all these people out here making us look bad. It's no yeah. good. It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, like I, I don't, I don't blame these people at all. And like, you know, unfortunately, there there's easy ways to make a quick buck if you can if you drive around in your Lambo and you hold that wads of cash to your head and um, you know convince people that you made all that money through 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 prize picks. Luckily, you know, I think word is starting to get out. There's there's things like Picket that are now in place that yes, you can right. use to verify your win rate. Shout out to them. Um, I don't work for them at all. I just think that's no. great for the industry and it really helps kind of validate myself um, as well. So I think we're definitely headed in the right direction. Um, but yeah, again, like it's, it's one of the toughest things. One of the toughest things to do is, is to build trust in this industry in an industry where inherently is built on a lack of trust. And uh, you know, we have, that's, that's probably our core value prop is we have yeah. our ROI graph is front and center on our website. You can break it down by book. You can break it down by league. You can scroll through every bet we've ever taken uh, historically wow. and see our performances every single day. Um, and some of it's not pretty, uh, to yeah. be completely honest. Some of it's not pretty and uh, some of it is. And I think users need to be able to see like what the true performance is. Um, and in order to, to make that decision, uh, and, and to like, you know, come around to converting on a product. Um, and I think what you were saying before about, you know, having friends promote other friends, that's in the tech world, we call that the net promoter score. Like what's the like, okay. that someone that uses your product promotes it to someone else that they know mm, because yeah. it's the best way to. Uh, recruit someone. And that's where we get most of our users is through someone that's one on our platform. They go to their yeah. and they say, Hey, I actually had success here. I can convince you that I've had success here. I wouldn't lie to you about this uh, and convince them to sign up for a platform. So it is, you know, it's a world of trying to build as much trust as we can in an industry that has unfortunately not too much trust baked into it. Well said and well, you know, applause for that. Cause I do think there's a ton of, there's, you know, what's interesting is like you and every, basically everybody who's come on this podcast, I would say are pretty altruistic. You know, they actually want people to do well. Like Drew is, is super hardcore like that, you know, you know, you know, Drew, uh, you know, very willing to help. Uh, but the most visible people in the space, like we can't deny it. Like we all, none of us are the most, visible people in the space. The, those people are, you know, unfortunately kind of the opposite. So I don't know. I, I think, I think when sports betting kind of reaches an equilibrium and maybe the marketing dollars aren't as heavy flowing in, there might be a higher demand for uh, winning content, people who are teaching you how to do it. Uh, we'll see. 
But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic and I think it's good to have people like you in the industry, like who actually are winning and people have an out, right? Like, you know, if they don't know how to win, you're offering a great service. And I think a lot of smart people in the industry back you up on being a winner, plus all your transparency and like, plus the refund policy. It's like a safe space for someone to kind of get their start. And I'm sure people come into your product, come into your discord. They don't know anything. Maybe they're like, Oh, we lost 10 in a row. They're one of those people. But after a while, just being in the discord, talking to you, seeing how correlation works there, I bet they could go find bets on their own and it's a good runway for that. Yeah. I mean, I think like we're all kind of on the same team and, you know, we all want to, we all want to make money in this industry. We all want to beat the bucks. And um, it is kind of that catch 22. If you think about it, like some of these bigger players, they make their money off of referrals from these books. And, you know, actually I personally make my money off of, uh, these books, um, you know, yeah. through betting and through convincing people to to take bets off these platforms. Um, but if we were, if every single user was using my platform out there, then these books wouldn't be in business. So it's like this right. 22 of like, if I was, if I had millions of followers and I was this like massive platform, like would the books be able to survive, you know? Uh, and, you know, how, how there's kind of like this equilibrium where you almost like need losing betters to be out there, unfortunately, um, yep. as much as you're, you're fighting, like we're fighting this battle that I don't know if could ever be won. Like there's always going to be people that are addicted, yeah. that are spending money on betting platforms. And we're, we're trying to like be the Robin Hood to, to just gather a few people and be like, no, yeah. it's how you win. Like this is how you make some money back. But um, you know, without that influx of losing betters, like you can't have the winning betters. So it is a that's that's one area that I do, from an altruistic perspective, grapple with a little bit. Um, just about this industry as a whole, it's you know, it's definitely uh, it's definitely catch twenty two. I I grapple with the same thing. I see it essentially exactly how you see it. Um, I guess what helps me is like I I had someone who kind of showed me the ropes in poker. And overall, it's made such a positive impact on my life because, you know, I was the right person for it. You know, it, it wasn't, you know, I didn't go in with a, a gambling addiction or whatnot. And, you know, I enjoyed the game theory and the puzzle and it worked. But it had such a positive impact. Like that one guy, you know, shout out Ben, change my life truly. So like if you can even get a couple people to create some, you know, an income stream, a secondary income stream, a full-time income stream, whatever it is, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, there's, you, you try to help as many people as you can, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of all we can do um, to the point where, the books allow us to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other thing. Please, please book. But yeah, it, it, that that is that is the case. It's it's this. The betting ecosystem is very complex, and I think it's important. And you, you talk, you know, you know, our our conversations. It's like you do understand, and you talk about things from the books' perspective too. Like they're changing. Will they keep offering that? You know, if 
you know, will will they shut down this correlation or what are they thinking? We have to keep adapting, whatever it is. What are other betters doing? And these are all factors that weigh in that I think when you first start betting, you kind of just think, oh, there's a number. Let me make a prediction. But you miss out everything that's kind of like happening behind the scenes. And I think once you take that step into to you know advantage play and you know being very thoughtful about the industry like you are, it's important to it's almost just comes with the territory to start asking questions like this and start thinking about the books and big picture. So I guess that long-winded question of like where do you see where do you see the books, the DFS platforms going in uh in 2024 and where do you see you trying to adapt? You know, do you have anything you know cooking up that's not proprietary and you can share yeah i mean i think kind of just well one thing i'll say is in this industry you never know what's around the corner so Mm -hmm. you have to be very adaptable um you know today we have something that next week we might not uh Mm -hmm. and we're always going to be adjusting our models it's a constant game of cat and mouse uh, with these books and, you know, trying to find these winning strategies and continuing to update our models. And, um, you know, you have to be, you have to be smarter than the rest. The books can afford to leave some holes open yeah. uh, as long as they're making enough money off of those specific markets um, that you're not taking too big of a dent out of. So uh, I think that there is, you know, I think if these books wanted to try and shut down every um, correlated bet possible, then they could. But as you're seeing them, they're actually getting, they're not, you know, they're allowing, yeah. they, they know that people want to, you know, if they're watching the Super Bowl, they want to bet on players from the same game. And I think as long as there's players, as long as you can bet on players within the same game, there's going to be opportunity for correlation. Um in most sports. So I think that I think that there's always going to be some, some modeling opportunities here. Uh, the DFS industry as a whole, like where I see it going, it's, there's, there's a lot of regulatory headwinds from what it seems like. I mean, I guess they're yeah. already shutting down New York and Michigan and some other, um, some other uh, states as well. But then I also saw like the leading proponent of shutting down prize picks and DraftKings, or sorry, prize picks and underdogs in the DFS books. DraftKings just launched their own fantasy pick and book, which Take is six. So interesting. So now I really like my head scrambled at this point. Like I'm thinking that the one, the couple companies that were lobbying against DFS are now joining the DFS. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, if there's mo- if there's money in it, I think it's going to stick around. Um, yeah, and there's probably going to need to be some more regulation that's going to come into play, probably to protect the consumers a bit more. You know, I can imagine VIP programs are going to get a little bit more strict. Um, yeah, as they should. As betting, they should. Yeah, betting limits will probably be, you know, looked at a little bit more, uh, just to to try to fight off these addictions. I mean, I, I never thought of myself as having an addictive personality, but I feel addicted to gambling. And luckily I have a, I have a positive uh, strategy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I definitely do feel 
addicted to the dopamine rush of making a big bet and hitting. And the thing is with my strategies is I've increased my unit sizes. So sure. even if I wanted to go bet recreationally and put $5, $5 down on the game, I don't think I ever could. Right. I don't think like at this point I wouldn't get enough dopamine from that win for it to even feel good anymore because of how much I was, I've been betting on my, on my correlated bets. So I can see how gambling addictions can get out of hand. Uh, like you win a bigger bet. You're not going to be able to get the dopamine rush from the small bets anymore. You have to kind of keep increasing. So I think that that's going to be a big thing that regu- uh, regulators are going to have to grapple with. Definitely. I, that's, that, that is interesting. I had uh, someone I really look up, look up to say something like, you know, I never figured out if, you know, everybody at the table is addicted to gambling and we're just the ones who figured out how to win or like, we're not addicted to it. And that's why we win. I still haven't figured it out. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I know either. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Like, isn't it addiction if you're winning? <laughs> like, yeah. It's hard to say. <laughs> um, the so I I forgot to ask you about this, but I know this was a Twitter. I think all the other Twitter questions we basically covered, but I wanted to talk about quickly uh, your thoughts on MBA correlation. Yeah, um, it's a really good question. So, and I get I get kind of questions about this all the time. Um, one because a lot of people like to watch the NBA, and there's yep. a lot of markets in it. Um, one thing about the NBA and why it's, it can be difficult to model is there's so many permutations. There's so many markets, there's so many teams and, um, there's so many players available, uh, which is good in the sense that there's a lot of data, but it's, it's, it's pretty computationally intensive to build some of these models around NBA. The short answer is I do think that there's NBA correlation. Uh, is it the best correlation out there right now? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. We actually have NBA correlation in our builder tool. So you can actually find picks that are correlated um, in NBA, but we don't ship them in our model. So basically we, like we have a tool that people can use to build their own correlated slips, or they can just tail all of our like AI slips. Um, but we do not include any NBA slips in there because we have a pretty high threshold for, um, the expected ROI for, for our picks in order to actually ship them in our model. And as of now, they're not the best out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason is because correlations, uh, the biggest driver for correlation is possession. Um, mm. And when you have something like basketball, where you're kind of just like, flipping back and forth with possession. Uh, And there's not as many markets that define possession. Like if you have a quarterback's passing yards, that's very correlated to their possession of the ball, right? If the quarterback's on the field more, it means they keep getting first downs. It means that driving down the field further, they're off like the, that player just is getting the snap every single time. Like they're, they're getting, there's more opportunities. It's more correlated with possession, um, in hockey, if you have a power play, like you're on offense the whole time, you know who's going to be on offense and you're on that side of the ice. 
most of the game. Similar thing with with soccer. Like there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of possession in basketball. You know, you can lose and gain possession like in a, in a blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and Interesting. It's kind of this constant back and forth when you score and you score so frequently that possession automatically changes. Um, and so it's tough to find really, really strong correlations because of that, because there's so much um, change in possession. Uh, but it's there. I don't want to say that it's yeah. not. And I don't want to knock anyone that's doing NBA correlation because I do think there's some edge. Um, but in terms of like if, how I would stack rank it in the other team sports, it's probably on the lower end, if not the lowest in terms of correlation. That's interesting the because it is possession right like that's that's in football it's like okay you're going to be on the field with your receiver and then there's an additional like to catch pass the passer has to throw it the defensive players are on the field for that snap but in basketball it's like you scored okay the other team now gets the ball you did well okay the other team gets the ball now so now you're like oh i don't know yeah it's weird it's weird i don't know you know i don't know where i would even would even start what do you think about just simple simple points and assists. I mean, it must be so individual in, in basketball or not individual, but on a pair by pair basis, right? Cause of the rotations too. Like, yeah, it's like if, if a point guard goes over in their assists, does one of their power forward go over in points? Um, yeah. If they're on the same line as one another, or if the opposing team goes under in points, are they missing a lot of shots and therefore the opposing team center is going to get a lot of rebounds. It's hard to say. And they're like, intuitively, in most sports, you can kind of think of what these correlations might be. Like intuitively, you can think a quarterback and wide receiver are going to be correlated with one another. In basketball, it's less obvious, I'd say. Some of these correlations, they don't make as much sense intuitively why they exist. You have to kind of really get into the weeds of it. Um, But then you're also only thinking about this on on a... pair basis on a, on a two by two basis. When you get into the correlation of a whole six man team or like a whole six leg pick, the correlations get a lot more complex. Um, And the most obvious intuition for other sports, you can usually see it has something to do with possession. Yeah. Uh, With basketball, that's kind of out the window. So you don't really get to see that as much. Um, And so I I don't think if you're going to go try to do correlation, in NBA doing it in, in trying to do it intuitively is not going to be as easy as you may think. Interesting. And, you know, I think it's a good opportunity because I figure, you know, as we know, like the books are, are allowing some of the stronger correlations, but sometimes they're, uh, you know, quick to, to limit a player, but, I like the idea of somebody who's like throws it all together in the NBA. Like maybe they have that insight onto, you know, coaching tendencies or injuries. And then they also sprinkle a little correlation and they also know that, you know, they also get a little bit of value on the line and then they put it all together into a slip. And it's like, you get, when you get everything working, you know, you know, find many ways to win. Give yourself a lot of outs and you could probably put it together and do well in NBA because if you have a fresh underdog account, you can bet two grand uh, a slip on NBA. So, you know, any, 
any uh, NBA crushers, you know, all of the, all of the, you know, uh, Harald Bob out there and whoever's listening to this adamantly who crushes NBA, you know, there's opportunity, I think, to, to do a little, um, you know, less obvious stuff with NBA that will maybe not have as high an ROI, but it gives you that opportunity to make a higher actual dollar amount. Right. Yeah. I think like how I would say if you were going to use something like a correlation tool is like have some insights into your picks going into it. Um, like maybe find some line discrepancies you like, understand some injury reports. Uh, and then if you have a lot of picks within the same game, plug that into like our correlation builder tool and see whether you've got an obvious negative correlation there or if there's any positive correlation or if yeah. you're flat. Because um, what you want to avoid too is some people can find some good lines like this happens all the time. If you're like looking at Monday night football, a lot of people will make a slip entirely for that game and they'll find really good individual lines. But what they don't realize is when they put all those lines together, they actually have an inverse correlation. Mm -hmm. Maybe they found a really good receiver under and a quarterback over. Um, right. That's an obvious one, but maybe there's some less obvious ones that they don't mm -hmm. realize uh, when they put their slip together. So I think that's kind of where correlation can probably help with NBA um, is if you've kind of sprinkled in all of your, uh, all your different components, like line discrepancies, injury reports, and then see if there's like maybe some positive correlation there, then, um, that's kind of like the bow on top of your pick, I guess is, is how I would think about Dude, it. That's a great point. And like, if you're playing these games that are parlay force, they're forced parlay games, like it's hit, you know, why, why not have a tool that allows you to just gut check your correlation, if only to prevent yourself from making massive mistakes where you're going, you know, going against, you know, correlate against each other. Um, and, you know, because that could be deadly. Like I tell people in golf, like people will be like, you know, take a golfer under another golfer over. And I'm like, you'll never like, you won't win. That doesn't win no matter what, you know, it's just the correlation is so negative that no matter how good the lines are. So it's like having that gut check in sports that you're not familiar with. Like if I were to go look at NBA, I would love to, to use your tool just to check my ideas out um, to know what kind of works and, you know, maybe even put a slip in that I didn't have time to, to check. And I think is good. Go back, test it in the, the builder late, you know, later test a similar thing to see the correlation. Like it's, it's a great study tool also, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think making sure that you're not making any like obvious, obviously bad decisions. Like you're, you're not taking Patrick Mahomes over in his passing yards and Travis Kelsey under because people, some people have completely independent. Uh, they treat all the, the events as independent and they look at the individual probabilities or correlation is basically looking at dependent probabilities, like the interdependent probabilities, of one another, uh, and if you're using an independent strategy, you should still kind of consider the dependencies. Um, it's you should never just completely write that off. And I think that's where at least just gut checking correlation can be like just a nice safe check. I agree. I agree. And I'll make sure to include like all of your your social, your you know your where we can find you on, on Twitter, on TikTok. I know. And then, of course, on your you know flagship product, I'll link that 
in the show notes um, and get everybody get it in the discord. I'm also in my discord. I'll uh, I'm setting up the, you know, the partner program where we have a little button, hopefully a click in our discord, take you to pick them expert, uh, sign you up because I really, uh, yeah, I've been following you for a while and I love always reading your tweets about correlation. I learn a lot from you and it changes how I think about my betting and any type of, parlay i'm currently doing or evaluating like future opportunities uh i think what you're doing is really cool you've carved out an awesome uh niche that i think that you're you're top of the heap for it and yeah man i appreciate you doing this twice because it's uh you know i know you're very busy you know i i I know that so thanks thanks for for coming on and 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 doing this yeah, no, I appreciate it. And, and I think likewise, you know, it's, it's good to be kind of in this Twitter betting community. There's a lot of smart people, you know, I've, I've learned a lot just kind of getting looped into all this. And um, yeah. And again, if, if there's anyone out there listening to this, they have questions like, you know, please reach out, DM me on Twitter, DM me on discord, whatever, whatever it is. I'm always happy to, um, help, you know, lend a helping hand. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again. Thanks everybody for, for listening to this interview. I learned a ton. I hope everybody did as well. I'm sure this isn't the last we'll, uh, we'll hear from Pick'em Experts. So, because, you know, I, now at this point we record two episodes a week, so I'll have to record with them next week or else I'll miss them too much. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you on a, on a later episode for sure. Take care and uh, thanks everybody for listening. Bye.